Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? Uh, My name is Maya Hoover. Um, I'm here with my guest, uh, Grace, and if you have listened to the first uh, portion of this, then you are here on the second part. If you haven't, this is part two. So maybe go back to part one first because you're going to have no idea what's going on. Um, <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump into it. Grace, if you want to go ahead and lead the way. Yeah, sure thing. So in part one, we kind of talked all about all the beginning stages of the relationship and a lot of the abuse that took place back then. Um Eventually what happened is he had a pretty long turnaround period and we ended up getting married a year later and I moved up to the state that he was living in at the time. So if you remember from part one, which if you haven't watched it, definitely go back. Um, Throughout all of that abuse, he still had never punched me, slapped me, um, hit me. And I still did not tie my experience to the words domestic violence, oddly. Um, I kind of couldn't figure out if he was my best friend or my abuser because there was like a deep level of friendship as well. And it's really hard to explain how that could be possible, but I could not reconcile um, the two opposing thoughts. It was really difficult. Every time I tried to leave him, I missed my best friend and I felt really sorry for him. And so that led into a whole new chapter of feeling Uh, all different types of grief and just feeling very sorry for him and sorry for myself. Um, But one of the reasons I stayed so long is because everything in my life at the time was tied to like, what's going to come from this? What is the testimony that's going to come from this? Almost. I was around a lot of people in my life who were like praying for us and just really over spiritualizing things. And I think I was afraid of missing out. Um, instead of looking at what was really happening. And it was almost like, am I going to miss out on all the blessings that are about to happen when, we, when we're married? And um, almost like I needed to just suffer a little bit longer. And that is so contrary to the truth and what God would want. And just, it's so, it was so sick. Um, so that kind of leads into the climax of my story. And that is, the immediate poor treatment after we got married and um, our honeymoon, that was where the abuse got much thicker. Um, So I will say right when we got married, he kind of switched up on me again. It was, you know, the same stuff with the uncaring sex and just the sexual abuse. And you might want to go back to part one to hear about that first. But, um, yeah, it really right off, right off the bat, just um, was devastating to me. And I felt like, what have I just done? This is now going to be my life. And that was a terrifying feeling. So um, we arrived at our honeymoon. And he did a few things that were really painful for me. Um, when we first landed, he told me he didn't want me texting my family. Uh, for the sake of being fully present on our honeymoon. Um, He shoved me in the airport for not walking fast enough. And 
he made it make sense. Everything always had a reason behind it that he made it make sense. Um, he would take things I believed and he would basically just twist them a little bit. So for example, I believed like, yeah, we should be fully present on our honeymoon. This is our time. But no, that doesn't mean you should be more distanced, <clears throat> excuse me, from your family. And so he liked to, you know, easily confuse me a lot in those ways. And um, I call it, he would like to shock me into gratitude for him. Um, and he would do this by leaving me in unfamiliar places um, and then saying it never happened. He would leave me, he left me alone in the airport in a different country for like five minutes to scare me so that I would be like, where did he go? Hmm. And um, he would do this to shock me into gratitude for him. And um, it was just sick. Hmm. Uh, you know, and really what he was doing with the, you know, shoving me because I wasn't walking fast enough or, um, you know, slapping me on the butt super hard. I know that's weird to say, but he would do these things um, that would cause me great physical pain, but there was always an excuse for the disrespect. And he, what he was doing was he was training me not to react to physical abuse. Anytime I said, ow, or reacted poorly, he got offended by that. So he was trying to teach me to control my reactions to physical abuse. And um, I remember he said to me, uh, being submissive means trusting without questioning that I wasn't allowed to question him. He was starting to, yeah, just train me. Don't ask me questions and don't react hmm. when I put my hands on you. Hmm. And that's how the marriage started. Oh. Um, so it was, it was kind of a whirlwind right away. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. I think that's, but, um, so interesting how, I mean, learning how to listen to your intuition after abuse, as you know, probably as well, is very challenging. And often, like, people will say, I've said this, like, I think my intuition's broken. Um, and yeah. when you tie it into, like, this also spiritual abuse of, like, this toxic submission this toxic loyalty right it's mm -hmm. yes. really mind-bending because for those who are listening who are part of the church you'll probably get this but maybe not or maybe maybe you have like an awareness kind of of submission within mm -hmm. the church but there very much is this kind of request of men within the church for a christian wife to submit to him and under his leadership and under his authority and where people get that wrong and where it's often misused, and I think why abusive men hide in the church as they do, is because this can be something that is really distorted if it's not used carefully. Like, and submission is not supposed to be something that is like a, a dominating kind of like, I'm going to lead mm -hmm. you blindly and you just need to like succumb to what I say, woman, because you are to submit to me. But that's like where that power and control, I feel like men, like they feed off of that topic of like submission. And so it's just gross to hear that that's something that was expected of you. 
It was also expected of me and it's been expected of many women in this space. And so I think that just puts a bad taste in people's mouth. Whenever we talk about submission or even hear the word submission, a lot of women just immediately push back on it because of this very reason that you're even explaining right now. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And um, yeah. So in the first part of the episode, I talked about the violent instance where he raped me and he became obsessed with this one sexual act. And um, yeah, he would frame it as that he slipped. He would, he wanted to do anal and I did not, I wasn't okay with that. It wasn't something I was interested in. I made that very clear to him. Right. And he um, did that twice more on our honeymoon. And that was the first time I realized this is not an accident. There's no way. Um, it was violent and it felt like the highest violation. All sexual abuse is um, terrible and violent and unacceptable. But this felt like such a high violation because of it can injure you. And it's it's not it's very painful. And so um, he did that twice. And I blacked out from this. I passed out. Um, and when he did this, and he stepped around me and walked away. And I, I remember like, when you faint, you can't really like see or hear. And I couldn't, I could barely like hear for some reason, because of how violent he had been to me. And like, I just heard him mumbling the distance, like, I can't do shit. I can't do shit with you. Um, this was how the sexual abuse was. He claimed that he could only have sex one way, and that was to be extremely rough and uncaring, and that he had never had this problem with anybody else. He said it was just me, and that because I was pulling away from him during sex, that was causing him to slip. Hmm. And so it started this thing where I wasn't allowed to pull away um, from him. He was highly offended if I resisted him in any way, whether he was, you know, slapping my butt in public and I didn't like it. And I pulled away, like, stop doing that. He was offended by that. If I pulled away in a photo together and he realized I was leaning away, he didn't like that. Right. Um, and that was truly who he was. And so it manifested into the sexual abuse where now it was my fault that this was happening. And so um, that was just the most degrading experience possible. Yeah. Um, but oddly, he got things back on track somehow. And um, there were several other things on the honeymoon that happened. But um, as painful as the rape, instances were it oddly felt like the only thing I had to point to because it was one of the most physically violent things he did to me and I felt like that was the only thing I had to hold on to um I felt like I had nothing else to point to uh, even though he, he was emotionally abusive I felt like that was all I had to hold on to and I just wanted something to call it I wanted a word to put to it like I said in the first episode um but eventually we returned home and like I said, the program he had been in that whole year prior was part of the church that we went to. And so when we got back home, I felt I had this feeling that I could go to them and say, like, he's treating me poorly. Like, I don't know what's happening. 
because I felt like there was someone I could confide in and it was our pastor's wife. And so I told her that he relapsed on our honeymoon and that, um, that was one of the things that happened and that these things were happening to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I went into detail about sexual abuse, but, um, she met with me alone, separate from him. She knew what she was doing with that. And she looked me dead in the face and said, Grace, he's abusing you. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever, I'm sorry. I get choked up with this. Um, okay. Yeah, that was the first time anybody said it. And I, I was so grateful for that. Like, I was so grateful for someone to look me in the eyes and be like, he's abusing you. Right. I needed to hear that word. And some people struggle to hear that word. But for some reason, it it gave me something to point to. I, I felt like, no, this is really happening. And so um, she let me know that she had had an experience in her life similar and that this was serious and that they would support me if I wanted to walk out the door right now and not even go back to where he was sitting in church that I could do that but oddly when I had that escape when I had that way out it switched me back into the feelings of withdrawal that no I can't leave him poor him um you know I felt so sorry for him and it switched me right back into that mode that I had that way out and I still couldn't take it even though I was grateful for the help and they told me I could walk away and not that I needed their approval, but you know how it is. Um, you need support. And so, yeah. And so other people told me, oh, just pray about it and, you know, you'll figure it out. And um, if one person disagreed with me, it was like enough to make me stay, oddly. Um I always thought I would reach a point where he would do that one thing that would finally be the straw um, that would make me be able to leave for good. And it, I just realized that closure wasn't a step in the cycle. Like I thought there was going to be a moment where it was going to be easier to walk away and it never, it never came. Right. Um, there was more uh, drug abuse from him, more discoveries of, just him being unfaithful in the past and during our marriage we were only married for a year total but we were separated after six months um there were times where I would pack the whole house and then not leave this happened several times and it made the cycle of abuse tighter and tighter because every time he realized I was leaving it caused more abuse um and basically I ended up going into like a really dark depression and I was experiencing a lot of grief and just like unexplainable grief over my past life and the life I would never have back because I realized I had a way out multiple times. He's been physically abusive with me again now. I still didn't leave and I don't, I didn't think I ever would because I felt um, such deep levels of sorrow for him and just I love them um, 
there were then instances where I realized how afraid of him I truly was. And one of them was that he had this knife at our bedside that he had gotten as a gift from a wedding. And I was terrified of that knife for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that, why am I so afraid of this knife? Like, I just had this unexplainable feeling that he was capable of doing so much more damage to me that then had already happened. And, um, you know, um, I just couldn't figure out why sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he would just, we would get in arguments. I would sit in silence while he yelled at me because sometimes for over an hour, I just sit there and, if I tried to talk, he cut me off and then asked me why I don't talk. And it's like, he just overpowered me in every way. Um, he would keep me awake at night on purpose because we needed to talk now, but really he was sleep depriving me. Um, one night I was taking a bath and he decided we needed to have an argument now because he saw my personal time and privacy as a privilege, not a right. And that night I didn't deserve to have my alone time. So he came in the bathroom and sat there while I took a bath. And he made me sit in there until our argument was finished, until I was freezing cold. But these are these are the forms of physical abuse that were happening. Mm-hmm. Just the most bizarre, um, the most bizarre things. And it created a lot of spiritual warfare. Um, I was having a lot of nightmares and like sleep paralysis and just like, um, eventually he told me he wanted me to quit work and go to the women's program, just like the program he went to, um, to get my anxiety straight and to like, to get myself straight. And nobody else agreed with that. But he told me everybody agrees with that. Everybody thinks you've gone crazy. And that, um, that I needed to go to the program. Um, so <laughs> that was kind of what I was dealing with. Um, I think that's kind of like just a massive backtrack um, to the point where yeah. you were talking about the uh, woman in your church. Was she a pastor's wife or was she just someone in the church? Yeah, she was our pastor's wife and they both stood by me. They said that we don't condone abuse and they didn't. And they still gave me the option to choose. Like there were times when I went back to them for a long time and, you know, they stood by it, but eventually they backed me all the way out which is kind of unheard of I think yeah it's unheard of and I think it's just like so beautiful because uh I mean the church just does a disservice to abused women like it just does and yeah there's so many Christians who will come at me with pitchforks and be like you know I feel like the more that I advocate and I talk about spiritual abuse, it really rubs Christians the wrong way because they are defensive mm-hmm. and like that goes against like our very morals. That goes against like our very heart. That goes against like, well, have you ever been an abused woman in a church? Because the amount of mm-hmm. women who are told, go back to your husband or, well, but did he cheat on you? Or, but did he mm-hmm. hate you? Or, and it's like her listening to that experience and having that awareness to say, you're being abused and calling it for what mm-hmm. it is. And it's like anybody looking from the outside, looking in could say to you like, Grace, you're being abused. But when you're in it mm-hmm. and 
thick of it, it's not that apparent. It's not that obvious because you've been conditioned and you're so far removed from your intuition. But like, it's so important to have somebody like that in the church. And like, what a beautiful moment for Mm -hmm. her to see you in that way and to have that awareness to say to you like you're being abused and also to support you removing yourself from that abusive relationship and saying to you you are able to like remove yourself from this and it sounds like they were super supportive of you making that decision yeah and parts of me felt like someone should have noticed something you know beforehand before I moved up there and got married but the reality is I I wouldn't have left them still. And it's like, yeah, I don't think it would have changed anything. I just wish someone maybe would have said something sooner. But he had so many people fooled. Um, So, yeah, eventually life just became pretty unmanageable. And everything boiled to a final incident where he ended up being arrested from our home um, for multiple domestic violence charges. Um, Mm -hmm. He was drinking one night and he kind of just turned on me again. Um, the thing with the eyes, I just saw the darkness in him and I knew that that's the night we were about to have. And, um, he was verbally attacking me. I started recording it secretly so that, okay, when, when he goes away next week to visit his family, I'm going to have this recording so that I can keep the strength to finally leave. Cause I'm going to remember this this time. And, uh, it turns out it kept escalating and escalating. He ended up kind of grabbing me by the neck several times and pinning me down on the couch cushion like intermittently and um that terrified me and he kind of like jumped off the couch and he punched the wall next to my face and I ran out the door and I saw him looking for me after I went out and so I rang our neighbor's doorbell who I didn't know they thought I was someone robbing them like trying to come in because they didn't know me like that's how scared I was I didn't know these people and um they called 911 and he was arrested that night. He handcuffed. Um, they had to interview me first and ask what had happened. But I told them he was pinning me by my neck, dragging me across the couch, pulling me by my hair. He was beating me with the couch pillows. Like, of course, of course, everything but his fist. Again, that's the whole theme of the story is he can just beat me with an object, a soft object. But he was basically strangling me and you know find ways to put his hands on me um in very creative ways and when someone strangles you they usually don't do it with the intent to kill you at first they do it with the intent to show you what they're capable of and I believe that's what he was doing um so yeah he uh I ended up going back to my hometown after that and I had a lot of temptations to still go back. I ended up writing him a letter about all the reasons why this was my fault because I was still um, convinced that it was my fault. And, you know, um, that's a whole story in itself. But the guilt was like nothing I had ever experienced. And feeling sorry for your abuser is normal. And it's often what sticks around the longest. And it's something that... um, made me almost go back again. Uh, what ended up saving me was I called a domestic violence hotline. And I also got a therapist and I started just learning about abuse and realizing that, you know what, 
I'm already away from him. Maybe I should just take my chance and not go back. And um, I had to come to terms that I was powerless over his words and that in order to get away, I had to treat it like an addiction. And um, I had to leave him cold with no explanation and literally protect my ears from his promises because I was about to go back again, even after that. And um, ultimately I had to decide who he was that he was my abuser, not my best friend. And um, yeah, one day I just took off my ring and decided I wasn't going to go back. I filed for divorce. He found out by being served. And I never spoke to him again after we got divorced. Not even once. We spoke through our lawyers and stuff like that. But I left him cold. That was the only way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I think that your story is just like really powerful and it's like unique in its own way. And it's been really a privilege to like sit with you and just like hear your story and mm -hmm. really heavy. Like, I mean, yeah. all of our stories are, but I think there's certain stories that I think just like stay with me and I'm like, mm. you know hearing I think you touching on the sexual like um abuse like the sexual assault and like the rape I think is something mm -hmm. that is just like really pivotal because like I mean you just don't realize that like rape also happens in relationships and that are romantic yeah. like two people are in a relationship you think that it's in a dark alleyway or mm -hmm. And it, you can have someone can try to have sex with you against your will in mm -hmm. marriage or, you know, in as a boyfriend and girlfriend. And that is like something that's happening often and nobody's talking about it because they're like, well, but was that? Or like, was I not clear? Right. Or should I have said, should I have yelled? Should I have pushed them off? Should I? And there's just so much should I have. And so I think it's really, I'm really grateful that you are just brave and who you are to be able to like talk about this because it's something that mm -hmm. like I haven't personally walked through in my marriage, but I know that there are many others who are listening in this space and will come to find your story who are going to be like, wait, but that happened to me and I'm still with this person and like, wait, was mm -hmm. I, you know? And so it's just really sad, but also really beautiful because it, it's giving us a different perspective and a unique story that uh, I'm just really honestly glad to have here in this space so that yeah. it just continues to add to, you know, the women's stories here uh, for others to yeah. find, but also like your story, like you said, like you don't talk to him anymore. And it's always like kind of crazy to me. Like, I don't know what you think about this, but when you go through abuse, like it's like done. 
and you like leave them and you know, like, I'm not, you're not going back. And then it's like, there's nothing they could say to you. Like, once you see it, you're like, I'm not going back. Like there's, it's like, right. a you're like, I'm not, I'm not going back. Um, no. And so that being said though, like the aftermath doesn't necessarily go away just because that relationship did. And yeah. so having your story in a space here where it's like, you know, it happened to you and it mattered. And like mm-hmm. every single person that listens to this story from here on now, as long as these episodes are up and streaming, I mean, it's not in vain because your story is being told without you having to specifically repeat it over and over and over again. Um, yeah, absolutely. And there was a lot in between there, him being arrested a second time for violating the restraining order and all kinds of things that I faced in the aftermath. But we never had kids. Um, he wanted me to get pregnant right away. That was a big race against time, but I never did somehow. And um, there's certain things I haven't faced, but, you know, everybody's story is unique. Um, in the aftermath, I just, I questioned if I was the abuser all the time, um, wondering if I made it all up. Um, just the most painful parts to me were always the gaslighting and just the confusion. Um I felt like my faith kind of suffered after and his seemed to like prosper from the outside. He just all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I've been getting back on track with things and slowly healing. Um, I share a lot on TikTok about my experience. If anybody wants to follow my, my inbox is always open. My username is at Grace Stewart. It's spelled S-T-U-A-R-T. Um, if you want to kind of follow along more, but, um, yeah, people kind of wonder how I can share my story so quickly. It hasn't been many years, but I just found so much healing and putting words to my experience and like meeting other survivors. And it's just been therapeutic, um, in a way. So I'm so grateful for you like coming in this space. And I know I just like said it already, but like I am really <laughs> just thankful for you and and thankful for you being able to like and being willing to just be brave and courageous and like share your story and just kind of like walk us through it. Um mm-hmm. and I know that there have been like a lot of people we were talking about this before we started airing like or started recording that a lot of people are reaching out and they're really moved by your story, obviously. And so if you're like moved by her story, like it always helps to hear feedback. And so if you want to send mm-hmm. me a message or yeah, you can raise the message, like she had said on TikTok or just follow along on her journey, um, that would be great. Also just sharing the story um, because I mean, word of mouth or just sharing it is some a particular way where people find the podcast, but also like if you know somebody who may be in an abusive relationship and you don't know like how to talk to them about it, or maybe you're just like trying to navigate, am I in one? Am I not? Like listening to these stories helps so much because every story is so different, but all intertwined, Mm -hmm. like textbook abuse that it's like, I just, I don't know. I just love how everything connects to like someone else's individual experience. Like I got this DM from this girl who actually has mm-hmm. the same name as you, which is like so yeah. random. And yeah. she was like, oh my gosh, I was listening. I was like, I was like 20 minutes into the episode and I freaked out because I was like, wait, like, does she know my story? And I'm like, 
what? She was like, my story is so similar to this girl's story. And her, her name's Grace and my name's Grace. And I was like, that's crazy because like your story to me feels so unique. And so I'm like, to me, if I would hear your story, it doesn't sound anything like my story, to be honest, but it sounds like someone else's story. And like that helped her to walk through her own experience. And so it's like, that's why we do this. And so getting messages like this, I'm like, damn, like I wouldn't have even thought of that, you know? And so Mm -hmm. all that to say is that sharing this story, even if it doesn't particularly relate to you, it may for somebody else. And so, um, yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. And I just want to say like, at one point, my biggest fear was just being the bad guy in his story after everything unraveled or being hurt by him physically. And now like, I'm no longer in bondage to his approval. I have the freedom where like now, even if he did change for some 0% reason, um, I wouldn't desire him. And there's so much freedom and just like having that trauma bond lifted to where you can be in that deep and healing is still possible. And like, if you're being emotionally abused and people are saying, oh, this is how it starts. It gets worse. Um, just know like it's already bad enough. You're already being chipped away by them. And it's not a red flag. It's already abuse. And it's so... Um, sometimes emotional abuse is so overlooked and I just, if anybody is dealing with that, like, just know it's serious and like, we see you. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right, guys. (sighs) Super grateful that you guys are in this space. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the second part. I'm glad that we could just like kind of wrap this up. Um, and if you again want to get connected with Grace, her TikTok is. Can you say it one more time? Yeah, it's at Grace Stewart. So it's S T U A R T. That's how you spell last name. Perfect. If you want to get connected with her or follow along with her journey, uh, feel free to follow her there. And uh, I'm. I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than I'm just grateful. <laughs> I'm just filled with gratitude. Yeah. And it's just been something that coming I mean we're coming to the end of a season here soon and okay seemingly burnt out a little bit while also like just I think the trauma is just a lot and it's it's heavy stuff but it's also really beautiful as well so um I'm excited to guys listening next week as well we actually do have an episode airing on Monday um it is a surprise I'm not going to tell you what it is about but we have an episode airing on Monday and then also on Thursday as well. So we will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.